Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi there, this is Ange McCabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance, where our business is the success of your business. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, facilitator, and your host of the Elevate Business Podcast. The Elevate Business Podcast is a journey of discovery fueled by the curiosity to genuinely understand what makes people tick when it comes to their professional path, choices made, and the personal characteristics that drive performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately success. The Elevate Business Podcast is here to promote the enormous contributions of small and medium-sized businesses around the world by exploring the actions that make a workplace successful, the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of an organization, and how we build whole person performance from the ground up. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, growing our learning edges, and honoring our passions with a special guest who has elevated their business, overcome obstacles, and inspires others to do the same. So glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to episode number 14 of the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Rust are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Jeremy Demerchant, who is an international speaker, number one best-selling author, and founder of Permission to Sell Consulting Group. With over 20 years of experience, Jeremy works with business owners and sales professionals to double their revenue in 12 months or less. He's also the host of Sales Team Rescue Podcast, which we are a big fan of. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about your company and your journey and how you got there. You know, it's been a fun ride. Uh, I launched Permission to Sell Consulting Group about a little, little over six years ago now. And I had found myself in a place where I had been on frontline sales or running sales teams for some of the largest companies in North America in the financial space, um, insurance, um, education, and telecom. And I, and I love building sales teams, but what happened was at the end, there was one university that I was running a team at and I just kind of get tired of the politics and me and my boss had a falling out and we'll just say I became free <laughs> and I didn't want to go back to a normal job. So uh, I launched my company with the intention of helping run multiple sales teams for people all at one time. And as I launched my company, I got into that fear mode where I thought, well, I'll just take whatever business I can get and ended up in a space where initially was working with a lot of coaches and solopreneurs, which helped a lot of great people, mm-hmm. but wasn't where I really wanted to be. Right. And so my, my journey has basically been, how do I get back home to where I want to be, which is in the place of working with high-performance sales teams or developing high-performance sales teams. Um, and now I'm there, which is really exciting. And I just want to keep going and growing. And so now we're in a place where we can confidently say we can double your sales in 12 months or less with a sales team. 
Mm, fantastic. And so tell us a little bit about that, because I think that's a bit of an organic path for entrepreneurs. It's kind of like that fear eat type place. So how did you kind of get yourself away from that? Like, was there an epiphany or was it, you know, um, with a studious direction or? Uh, You know, actually there, there was a moment when I made the decision and I remember the moment and it was two years ago. I was kind of on this path trying to figure things out and I'd worked with the sales team and um, it turned out I broke a company. Like it doesn't exist anymore because I sold too much because I didn't check to see if they had the delivery capabilities on the back end. Mm. So like lessons learned throughout like, like crazy lessons. And I was kind of back and forth, where's safe, but where do I really want to be? And I think that's a struggle that a lot of entrepreneurs go through. And then two years ago, I did back-to-back events where I attended Unleash the Power Within with Tony Robbins in LA. And then right after that, I flew to New Orleans where I went to an event where the Wolf of Wall Street was speaking. And right after that event, by chance, Marcus Lemonis, who is the host of The Prophet on, uh, on NBC, was a keynote speaker at an entrepreneurship event. Mm. And so all this was happening. So at UPW, I cleared all the limiting beliefs, you know, Um, Then I went to this event and saw the Wolf of Wall Street and learned what makes people attracted to him and things that I didn't want to have part of my repertoire or my persona. Um, But then when I saw Marcus speak, and I I followed Marcus for a while, but I swear he was the nicest and probably the most impactful speaker I have ever seen. And at one point he had said, who here uh, would like support in growing their business. And mama didn't raise no fool. So I put my hand up. Next thing you know, he calls me up on stage. And I'm on stage with Marcus Lemonis. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and some people were, were in really bad shape business-wise. And one woman uh, went up there and, and said, you know, I'm not sure if my business is going to last. And I'm going through a divorce. And some challenges happened there. And he said, look, if I could offer you a job being a rep for one of my companies that I own, would you do it if it was still in your business? And that got me thinking, like, what would I give up my business for? Mm. But, well, if Marcus Lemonis asked me to do sales for him, would I do that? I wouldn't give him my business for that. But I might give up my business if I was running a sales teams. And then the light bulb went on. I thought, if that's the only thing I would give up my business for, why isn't that my business? Mm. And I never got to the microphone. I never got to speak directly to Marcus, but I didn't need to. Because that moment on stage was all I needed. And I think within a couple of days, I closed the deal building someone's sales team. Uh, three weeks later, I made a post on Facebook and someone who didn't actually see the post reached out and said, hey, I got a spot um, in our organization where we need someone to run our teams. And I got that spot. And it just started happening. Mm-hmm. And then it became better lessons learned, in at least in the area that I, that I love to be in. And so... Mm-hmm. It's still not perfect, but I keep going in that same direction because now I know where I'm going. I know where that North Star is. Mm-hmm. And anything that gets in my way becomes a lesson, a story, probably part of a sales pitch at some point. You know, I was there too. People want to hear that stuff. And every time I get into a, a point where it's really, really challenging, I just tell myself, this is going to be a really good chapter in my book. And then I keep going. That's awesome. That's an awesome perspective. And I think, Scott, we need to write that one down. This will be a really good chapter in our book. Let's keep going. 
I, I think we've got two things to write down. I mean, the other one that I wrote was, you know, what would I be willing to give up my business for? Mm. And, you know, I thought that was a really interesting question that, you know, that came onto your radar, Jeremy, and that helped you identify, you know, realistically, what that really means is what do I want my business to be? If I'm willing to give it up for this, now, how is there a fit between creating that business around that same thing? And that's exactly what you did. And I actually, and I recall, I think we had met at an event um, about two or three weeks prior to you leaving to LA and going to Orlando. And you were telling me about, you know, these plans that you'd had in the next couple of weeks and how we'd have to reconnect afterwards. And so, you know, as you're telling the story, I was kind of really excited. Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah I remember that. <laughs> you know, that wasn't, that wasn't that long ago. No, but, it really um, wasn't. It's amazing what can happen in a couple of years. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, through all of this too, what I'm hearing is inklings of performance for you. So you're speaking about getting past barriers and identifying your niche market and essentially what you want to be when you grow up. So when you hear the word performance, what does that mean to you? You know, it's a, it's a heavy question because I know performance means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And I think when a lot of people think of performance, they think of this elite level of results. And I really struggle with that because I, I think performance is a combination of act, doing the right activities and getting the right results. Mm. But more importantly is the activity. Um, we've all heard the quote from Michael Jordan. I failed time and time again or over and over again. And that is why I succeed. And I think failure has to be built into the DNA of what we consider to be performance because Michael Jordan put in the hours, right? LeBron put in the hours. All the elite athletes put in the hours. Mm. Performance isn't about just getting that result. It's what happens up to it, Mm -hmm. the the process to getting there. So for me, that's what performance is. It's it's committing to doing something enough, like uh, the 10,000 hours that Malcolm Gladwell talks about, right? To to be an expert in in your craft. That's what performance is. It's not giving up. It's not stopping. It doesn't mean you can't pivot, right? You might not be in the right position in the basketball court. You might need to change what sport you play altogether, Mm. but you just don't stop. And I think that's what performance comes down to. Are you willing to just not stop and keep fighting to see what the best path is? Not the easiest path but the best path, the one that creates the biggest impact, whether it's for you or for other people, hopefully a combination of both, Mm. but that's what it is for me. Awesome. And how do you continue to fuel that for you? For me, everything good that's happened in my life and everything bad that's happened in my life has been, been because of the six inches between my ears, everything is in your head. And so for me, when I go to the gym, I go to the gym five days a week now, um, but every day I'm feeding myself audiobooks or podcasts or like I'm basically allowing a conversation to happen between me and someone that's further along than me. And whether it's a uh, you know performance-based book or something more spiritual or usually a combination of both, it just keeps making me think bigger and think different. And that way I don't get stuck in my little box. I, I live in a little town uh, called Fredericton, New Brunswick. And there's like 60,000 people in the city. I don't know if we can call it a city at 60,000, but we're supposed to, it's a city. And one thing that I found, and I'm sorry to all my East coasters and, and I know that you're <laughs> one of them as well, uh, <clears throat> but 
sometimes being in this part of the country, we get into victim mode. Like nobody knows we're here. We get the, you know, the bad mm. end of the stick, New Brunswick and, and Nova Scotia and mm. Prince Edward Island are some of the poorest provinces in the country. And we get mm-hmm. this victim mentality. Mm. And it's very challenging. Like Zoom is wonderful because you, you know, you and I both know Scott. I, I met Scott a couple of years ago, like you mentioned, but it was because I moved to Ottawa where Scott is. I, I wouldn't have tripped over Scott accidentally online probably, but now we're, we're in the same circles and it's because we are allowed to get out of the box that we're in. Mm. So if you know, you're like me where the city that I'm in, there's a lot of people that are very traditional thinking. There's a lot of people that are very nervous about those things that aren't traditional. Yes. Online marketing, mm. even using Zoom for anything. Like that's scary to people. And what that tr- translates into is them saying, don't do it, it's wrong. Mm. And nothing against them. They can feel however they want, but it is based in fear, whether it's mm-hmm. fear for them or fear for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And being able to, to jump online, to connect with people all over the world. Like I've had clients from Santa Monica to Singapore. And it's been phenomenal. And that's what the, the books allow me to do. Like if I hadn't, and actually I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but if I hadn't been introduced to network marketing when I was 18 years old, I wouldn't know who Jim Rohn was. If I didn't know who Jim Rohn was, I wouldn't know who Tony Robbins was. Then I wouldn't know about this whole personal and professional development industry. And I would be the same kid I was 18 years old, probably in a very traditional job putting my 40 hours a week for 40 hours or 40 years, hoping that once it's all done, I've got enough life to live that I can enjoy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So kudos to network marketing for making me open my <laughs> eyes and see it and introduce me to this whole space because now I don't stop. Um, I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's, there's two conversations that are happening inside everybody. One is the positive one and one's the negative one or the green light conversation and the red light conversation. And if you, um, if you've ever heard the old, saying that there's two wolves battling an evil wolf and a good wolf. And the, the child says to the grandfather, well, grandpa, which one wins? And he says, the one you feed. And so if we've got two wolves inside of us sharing the story of the green light story, yes, we can go, we can have what we want. We can chase our dreams. It might be hard, but we can get there versus the red light story. Don't waste your time. This is not going to work for you. You need to decide which one you feed. Jim Brown says we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with. I spent this morning with a guy who was an expert in finances and listening to excerpts from the Bible. That was my morning. I got to hang out with Jesus. That's cool. Right. That was my morning. And yesterday was Patrick bet David and um, who else I listened to? Uh, Tony Robbins yesterday. Like these are the people that I get to hang out with through audiobooks. Mm. And so that's how I fuel because I don't know everything and I never will. But I am happy to take the little nuggets from people that have been in a lot bigger, better places than I have and have failed more significantly than I have. So for me, it's how I can learn from other people's mistakes and other people's successes and save myself the headache and the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's two things that uh, that really stuck out uh, from that, Jeremy, at least to me. Um, one was being very intentional as to what you're consuming and what you're filling that those six inches between both your ears with. 
and looking towards specific people that you look up to and have those experiences that you don't have and being intentional about being able to try to try to learn from them. And then the second piece is not only learning from them, but now identifying, okay, well, which of these wolves do I want to feed? Am I taking the green light or the red light? And a lot of the times that green light, um, you know, might mean pushing myself outside my comfort zone and going a little bit further than, than, than where I'm usually comfortable or what would be considered traditional uh, for some people. 100%. So, and and I'll, I'll, I want to add one more thing, sorry, that yeah. um, before I started my company, I had this huge fear of doing anything new. And I was almost 30 years old before I jumped on a public bus because I told myself all these stories about how everything was going to go wrong. Like, what if I don't have the right change? I'm going to back up the line. People on the bus are going to get mad because they're going to be late to get to where they're going. Oh my gosh. And this whole, like this whole anxiety bubble would, would be created in my head. And I just avoided going on a public bus, which sounds ridiculous in hindsight, but that was the, the level of emotion. And one point I became forced to, I traded in my car for a bicycle and a bus pass to go back to school and finish my degree. And I had to figure it out. I forced myself outside that comfort zone. And then the the tagline for my company is actually get uncomfortable, get results because of it. Because I, I think that we need to push ourselves. Like somebody once told me, and I don't know where this came from, but it was, I love you the way you are, but I love you too much to let you stay the way you are. Hmm. Mm. And that just lands with me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, shifting gears a little bit, I know we've talked a little bit about your, your experience and what's brought you here today and what fuels your, your performance. And I'm curious, just based, based on the clients that you've worked with and the, the teams that you've helped build, um, how do you create an environment for high-performance teams and that helps empower them and helps them helps them thrive. So a lot of what I do is inspired by the work that Patrick Lencioni has done with his five dysfunctions of a team. Mm. The foundation is trust. And so for me, what I do is try to truly get to know the people that are in the team, understand their motivations and help align their personal goals with the business goals. And even if you can't completely do that, the fact that you're asking and listening builds that trust. Like I've had sales reps follow me for much longer than they probably should have in companies that might've been in a tough spot because they trusted me. And that for some companies that meant that they managed to get over a hurdle and turn it into success for one company. It didn't unfortunately, but the, the, the idea of building that trust means that they're not just buying into the product. They're not just buying into the company, but they got to buy into their leader. On the downside, it's challenging to transfer that trust. Mm. So when I go build a team, part of what I'm doing is also training the sales manager that's going to fill in and take over my spot when I'm gone to make that full team dynamic. So there's not just me they're buying into. It's all the pieces that we incorporate. But one of the key pieces is communication. And to make it okay to walk in an office, I guess it's knock on a Zoom room door, I guess, and <laughs> and be able to vent and say what you want. Someone once told me there's no crying at work. Well, I had some of my most loyal team members be able to come into my office back when there was physical offices um, and actually cry 
share what was on their mind, what was bugging them, what was going on. And because I cared, it opened, it opened up that trust and it allowed me to know more about them. So when time came to say, look, we need to get more out of you from a performance perspective, or we need to shift something to help get you aligned with your goals. I knew what those goals were. I could say, look, if you get this and this is going to be the result for you. And if there was none of that, I could just say, I need a favor. And when you can say, I need a favor and your team will go anything, there's power there. So what other, what other supports do you ensure that you have in place for either your teams or the teams that you're consulting with to ensure that these successes move forward? So I've never been good at systems, but luckily my team is. <laughs> and so I'm the guy that it's all in my head and I just kind of go by my gut. And I learned that that's not scalable and it's not repeatable. And so I had to figure out how do we put it into processes? How do we create these structures that we can rinse and repeat? Mm. And so my team, luckily I surround myself with people smarter than me. It's a really good thing to do. Peak performers will still surround themselves with people smarter than them. That's something important to note. Um, it, it allows us to, to create this framework so we can get the benchmark where companies are at when we walk in. A lot of people we work with don't have sales teams yet. Um, and then a, a significant portion still do. And so there might be a team in place, but I need to know where they're at. We got to get to set that benchmark. It's one of the biggest challenges is long-term, people will start to go back to their old ways if they can't quantify the result. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how good the team feels, how much energy they have, how much more um, passionate they seem to be about the product. If there's not sales coming in, the people that write the checks don't care. And so we need to make sure that that momentum is high enough that they'll stick with the systems and that they're the other part is actually to make sure that when we're designing compensations or doing consulting around how compensation plans look, we're aligning the pay with the activity we want to see repeated. It's just like when you're training a pet, people hate when I use this analogy, but when your puppy rolls over, give him a treat, you know, and they'll do it again. Right. And, and this is the way we're, we're all, you know, beings, real mammals, like we, we behave the same way there. And, and so we got to think that way. We can't just focus on how do we get somebody through today? We want to focus on what's that long-term goal. I had one gentleman um, who was actually making, I think he said $18,000 the month previous with another company and said, yeah, but your compensation plan that you built has a residual component that makes me want to look at a position with you guys. Like just simple things. So if we can have these structures that we know work over and over again, of course, we're going to modify them for each individual company. Hmm. But when we have that framework in place, we have the supporting documents, we have the reference references, the, you know, the standard operating procedures, the, I love the one sheets when it comes to sales. That's the one sheet that your, your rep needs. And then where's the full training manual or playbook they can go back to where new reps can, can go into to, to reference. And with those in place and ongoing check-ins as well, mm-hmm. then the retention can be great. But I think that the biggest thing that I haven't mentioned is we try, and it doesn't always happen, but we try to have all of our teams enroll their reps and their managers in an ongoing support program as well, because we end up becoming victims to our environment. And if it mm-hmm. starts to drift back to the way it was, it's really hard to turn that ship back around on course 
if you don't have, if you the environment you have is the same environment you had when it was off course initially. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you mentioned something that, that I wrote down here, Jeremy, around, um, like, let's say you mentioned a lot of things first <laughs> around how to create high performing teams and building the trust and the importance of communication, ongoing support. And, you know, this idea behind, well, identifying what are your employees' goals and what are they looking to achieve and how can you align those goals with the company goals as well? Mm-hmm. And that'll bring the, bring teams to a point where um, they'll follow you um, much longer than at times than maybe they should, but it's part, part of how you create that kind of environment. And one thing that stuck out was this idea around performance benchmark. And I, I'd be curious just to go a little bit further as to what does what is that what does performance benchmark mean to you and what is your performance benchmark and what are you looking to do to to level up and to increase that to improve i love it it's a great question so to me so performance benchmarks for me the, the biggest challenge like i mentioned is the validating the results when the results aren't always quantifiable now there were times uh, when i've worked with teams and the window that I had with them was a short window. And so they couldn't see the end result in sales. But what they could see is the change week over week in performance in number of calls or number of follow-ups or number of positive responses from, from prospects. And so when we start, we want to get a full picture of what that ground zero looks like. So we know what we're building on top of. Because even if we do get results, if nobody can see it, or no one can validate it, then mm-hmm. they're going to start to drift. Then they're not going to want to use us anymore, and they're not going to give us a great review. But most importantly, they're actually going to miss the momentum that's being created and the positive results that could happen from the shift in their team and just have everything go back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why the benchmarks matter to me. The things we look for are depending on the company and how the sales team is structured, a lot of it has to do with activity. Um, If I go way back, one of my first jobs was actually at a call center and we were measured on talk time and the higher talk time was typically good, but myself and another friend of mine, we seemed to have an excessively high talk time and uh, we, we closed a lot, a higher percentage of sales, but, uh, there were not, we didn't end up going through as many calls. And I've been in many places when I was the frontline rep where people just say, that's great, but just do more. Cause I was more effect, uh, I had higher closing rates on the calls that I had, but I didn't always do a high volume. And so it, it, each company is a little bit different. You want to get an idea of where that, that zero line is when you start and get really, really clear on where you want to go and how much progress you're making. So, um, and for me personally, in my business, it comes down to, of course, there's the revenue goals and things like that. And the other part is how many people I can help because I'm a firm believer that, I mean, obviously this isn't scientifically accurate, but I'm a firm believer that the world doesn't turn until a sale is made. And if I can help a company get better at sales, whether it's the CEO of a solo operation, get better at closing more sales, being more effective with their leads, and giving them the space to scale to a team or a team that exists, but they could easily be doubling their sales with a few minor tweaks. I'm doing good. I'm doing good in the world. And so the, especially if 
the products that they're creating are having a high positive impact on people. And there's certain industries that won't work with it. There's not a big high positive impact then I'm not going to feel great about it. But so far, everybody that I've worked with has been in, in spaces that have had a big impact on people. And they're ones that I get really excited about being able to help them double their sales. Mm-hmm. And so there's been kind of inklings and jokes throughout the conversation so far, Jeremy, with regards to knocking on Zoom rooms and alluding to the remote workforce. Yeah. How's that been impacting how you work with your own team and then also the performance of the other teams that you're trying to, to help double their sales? Well, luckily I've been virtual before it was cool, um, but, <laughs> but I will say that it is a challenge for a lot of people. And the biggest gap you have is communication. Mm. Um, that we like, there's something, some magic about being able to be able to lean around, you know, the door frame or lean over the cubicle wall, just to say, Hey, what's up. So we needed to find a new context or a new structure for, for that to happen. in. Mm. And so for me, Slack has been a lifesaver. Um, my team, even not even my sales team, but my, my admin team, even um, each day, uh, we've got a, a daily check-in that comes in in Slack and it says, hey, how are you feeling? And this is all a bot. It's a little less personal, but how are you feeling? Yesterday, you said you do all these things. How did you make out? And you get a little summary. And great. What are you going to do today? What's standing in your way? And then the results get posted into a public channel where we can all see how everybody's doing. And it allows us to say, hey, okay, um, Brendan needs some support because she's not clear on this thing or, you know, whatever it might be. And on the sales side, we can do the same thing. Hey, what deals are you focusing on today? What's your strategy to get rolling today? Mm. But the communication is so vital. And I, I tried to do uh, daily like Zoom meetings, like the equivalent of a huddle, but depending on time zones and, and you know, where people are at, uh, even like where their, their ideal uh, workday starts, some people could be in the same time zone as me, but they don't want to get up at four. They want to get up at 11 and if they get the results, I don't care. Right. <laughs> but, but I want to make sure that we have the ability to create that same team huddle or team stand up vibe in the asynchronous environment that we're now living in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm hearing it's a bit in the intention of communication and how you're communicating, but then also using and leveraging tools and trying different scenarios that make sense for your team or for the teams that you're working for. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the idea of checking in. How are you feeling today? And it sounds like something is so simple and easy. And a lot of, a lot of us answer out of habit, just, Oh yeah, I'm good. Or I'm fine. Right. So I think if you can get your team to actually check in and identify, well, what is your energy level today? What is your mood? Or how, how are you showing up today? Just so, I, just so I know. So I can now maybe tailor my conversation style to that as well. Just bringing up that awareness within the team, I think, is a, is a really interesting point you bring up. Yeah. Well, and people just want to feel like other people care, right? We're all human. And, yeah. and that's all it comes down to. And, and knowing, the other part, I think, is knowing that if somebody on my team needs to jump on it, 15 minute zoom to vent, to, to chat, to whatever. Mm, I have a consistent zoom room and they all have the link. Come mm-hmm. on in. Exactly. Okay. So we all, we all ask all of our participants, what are three words of inspiration that you would want the world to hear? Three words. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. 
<laughs> and have you heard somebody just use three words? <laughs> no, I've heard I've heard a lot of oh, that's a challenging one. This is what this means, uh, or there's elaboration around each word. But a pointed, meaningful message like that, not as of yet. I love it. <laughs> I, I'm a rule follower. You told me three words. So. <laughs> I was actually expecting the opposite, to be totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. My, yeah, my, I, I do follow most rules and it's except when it's about having fun and making fun of myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes total sense. hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure and we really appreciate your sharing your entrepreneurial insights with Intuitive Performance and our subscribers. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And so for those who would like to learn more about uh, your business, we're going to provide a link on our company's profile and the Elevate Business podcast page. Thank you very much for all of our subscribers to tuning in into another great episode of the Elevate Business uh, podcast. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Business podcast. I hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to future podcasts at intuityperformance.com where you can also sign up for webinars and learn more about professional coaching and our facilitation solutions available to help fire up your whole person performance skills and drive actions for success. Until next time, stay true to you and take care of each other. We are all better together. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting. Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.